This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Look out, football fans, and welcome to the Primetime Podcast. My name is Ricky Widmer, and as always, I'm joined by the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And Brandon, I before we get into everything and the redundant topic that... We're going to start the podcast off first. I want to take a moment just to say from behalf of everyone here at MVP and us of the Primetime Podcast, our hearts and our prayers and our thoughts go out to the victims of the tragedy that happened in Orlando this weekend. We are the first podcast to air since those tragic attacks so i just wanted to go ahead and give our thoughts and our prayers from everyone here at mvp for the victims and their families it's always a sad sad sight to see whenever that happens anywhere in the world and from that kind of it's disgusting it's disgusting you know and you know our 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 thoughts our prayers our hearts go out for the victims, our hearts go out for those that died, our hearts go out for those that are in serious condition, critical mm-hmm. condition, our hearts go out for the families. This is an act of terror, folks. This is an act of just thoughtlessness and, and someone who just didn't care. And it's really despicable. And, you know, I just pray that we can... We we can have some positive change moving forward because this is this stuff like this can't happen. And today on the show, we're going to move right into and I say that, I mean, we start off with this tragedy. However, now we're moving in the first topic that we're going to talk today. It's going to be a serious topic yet again, because it seems like these this story just won't die or won't go into the rearview mirror and won't go into the past. We're going to dive into some more Baylor drama surrounding their whole situation with Baylor football. Then we're going to dive into Gus Melzahn and Auburn and then possibly the Michigan-Notre Dame rivalry having a little rebirth for college football. But diving into the Baylor situation, if you haven't heard, you may go, well, Ricky, what what, what what's going on with Baylor? Because you guys just last week talked about if their new head coach, Jim Grobe, could right the ship. And then there's reports today, Brandon, the one that I'm looking at from SI.com, that there's Baylor regents that want to vote for possibly a one-year suspension for Art Bryles, basically making it to where he would serve a suspension this year and then come right back next year to coach the football team. Well, Ricky, this is one thing that I was really worried about. It's money talks. And these people at Baylor, these board members, they have got money. And money persuades a lot of people. And it makes a lot of people do a lot of things. And hearing reports today, especially out of some Texas stations and newspapers, that they did a kind of a straw poll uh, vote and the fact that it's it was close not good not good at all and you know I, I just think that something like this and, and and as 
as I was listening to a couple different shows today, they're basically saying, yeah, rape's okay. You know what? That's okay. That's okay here at Baylor because we play football. That's fine. Well, this and that's is a, a horrible message. This is exactly what we talked about. If you haven't, if this is the first time you've jumped into the whole Baylor discussion with me and Brandon, I want you to go ahead, hit pause. We'll be here for you to listen to. Go back and listen to our first one where it says our Brile firing is more than just football. Then listen to last week's and then come to this week's because this whole situation is, first off, by making this move, if if they make the vote to bring Arch, Art, Art Bryles back after serving a one-year suspension, it proves what I said in the first time we talked about this, how in these small towns, Waco being one of them, it's all about football is king. And the football team is good. The football team wasn't always good at Baylor. And now after this whole Art Bryles firing, they can see that, oh, we're going to go back to that because recruits are leaving. Recruits probably aren't going to come in like they were before. There have been some recruits saying that they, like, or players saying that they were just, the whole situation was unfair. They weren't told about anything. And from this SI article I'm looking at, the main thing that some of these Art Bryle supporters in the regions are saying is that, oh, it's not Art's fault. Art wasn't the one that was at fault. It was that Ken Starr. He was at fault because he was at the top. He should get all the blame. You know, I, I've said this before, and this is how I see it. Art Bryles, it is your football program. You are the head coach. You can't play the card like, oh, I was just a quarterback coach. I didn't know what's going on. If you don't know what's going on and you're the head football coach, then you're not a good head football coach because you should know what's going on at all times. Absolutely you should. And I think that, you know, again, with these with these donors, with these with these big donors, they're idiots. They're they're saying they're 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 seeing some of these kids trying to jump ship and they're thinking I didn't. I did not pay money to put money into this football stadium and all this to see these guys leave. They're not leaving. We're not letting them leave. You know that's not what we paid our money for. We paid our money for these guys, for these guys to come here, for these guys to get coached by Art Bryles. I'm telling you, this story is not going away. Not with what's happening now. People are nuts. And for the fact that they're able to overlook, and this this group, and the way they're talking about it, it sounds like a small group, small group of people that are coming to the defense of someone who did something wrong, but they're coming to his defense and overlooking the bigger issue of sexual assault, of rape, of all those things. And you're saying all that is going to be okay. That's okay. Because football. That's what they're saying. That's exactly what they're saying. That is what... That is... You know, I'm almost speechless. That that is what they're giving off. That is the sense that they're giving off. That football is above all. 
football in Texas is above the law. Football in Texas is above everything else. And if you play football, that that's going to protect you. I thought we were headed past this. I thought that, like, last week after me and you talked about Jim Grobe and is he the one that can right the ship, I seriously thought, okay, maybe this is, okay, we're putting it in the rearview mirror. Baylor football is moving forward. And what I, like, my biggest hope of this is that this is just a few donors causing a stink and then the majority of them saying, fine, we'll have a revote. But it's kind of one of those things where it's like, we're going to have a revote, but we all know that the outcome of this revote is going to be the same thing. We are just having a revote to shut you the fuck up and make you happy. That's what I hope this is. And I kind of feel like there are, I'm looking at a USA Today source where they say, and I quote, um, WFAA TV in Dallas cited an unnamed large Baylor donor as saying that boosters are not calling for Bryles to be reinstated, but for him to have a chance to offer a defense to the Board of Regents. The notion that donors would cease contrib- or contributions to the universities, the donor told the TV stations, is a load of crap. And here's my response to that. You don't get a fucking defense. I know that you can't say, well, Ricky, how do you say that? Because our country is built off of you do a crime and it's innocent until proven guilty. With this situation, when you are the one at fault and there are the victims on the other side, you do not get a defense here. Because the way I see it, it's kind of like I think of it in the education standpoint because I used to be a teacher. If a teacher can't control her classroom and can't control his or her students, what's the school going to do? They're probably going to get rid of that teacher. Am I right? Am I right, Brandon? Yeah. I said Brandon. I meant Brand or Brandine. I mean Brandon. That's how this is getting me frustrated. I can't even say your name right. He had one job. His main job contain order on that football team. Of course there are going to be times when you don't know exactly what your kids, and I'm going to say it's his kids because that's how I see it, his football kids are doing. It's kind of like being a parent. I know I'm not a parent, but I think of my parents. Did my parents know what I was doing every waking moment of the day, like when I went out with my friends? No. But what they did was they instilled the kind of values and morality in me to make good choices. And that extends to the football family. The head coach is the papa bear. He's got to make sure that he is making sure that his players have the knowledge, have the kind of value set on from this football family to make the right choices when they leave that football field. And that obviously did not happen. That did not happen, and they need to get somebody in there. Maybe Jim Grobe is the guy. They need to get somebody in there that is going to treat this football family like a family and make sure these kids know that you got to have these set of values, not just to be a good football player, but to be a good person. And Bob Simpson, 
a, a cone or the Texas Rangers and a Baylor donor mm-hmm. who's got their name on the Simpson Athletics and Academic Center on the Waco campus told the Dallas Morning News in reference to whether a meeting had been scheduled or will take place to talk about Bryles coming back or a vote happening to have him come back. He said, quote, we don't know yet. We'd like to see that, end quote. This is a co-owner of the Texas Rangers, folks. Can I ask you a question? You can ask away. I have said my thoughts on this from the beginning have been the exact same as um, Colin Cowherd of FS1. This is what the death penalty was made for, situations like we have at Baylor. I'm going to ask you this, because this whole time you've been saying that Baylor doesn't deserve the death penalty. If they vote, and they vote to bring Bryles back after a one-year suspension, does that change your mind? Would you then say, fucking death penalty? Then they're asking for it. Then they're asking for it. Because if you aren't even going to take the steps to right the wrongs, I mean, come on, people. We've seen it. We've seen the the email where they highlight the people who from from that girl, it she sent, I was raped at Baylor. Mm-hmm. Art Bryle's name was on there. He saw it. So it was Ken Starr's. Ken Starr was on there. He saw. Did he say? Did I see? Did I see that? As he turns to his yeah, his PR. His and PR then, per, did I? What do I say? And then she they, brings him back. And all right, you know what? Tell him. Yeah, you, you forgot what I said. You forgot what I said. I got to take it back now. And then he answers it and looks right at her. That's is that good? That's that's what I was supposed to say. I don't know. Don't don't ask me. Ask her. The, the guy's just an idiot. Just dumb. But I I think that if you're not if you're not going to right the wrongs. You just, you don't, it's almost like you don't deserve it then. I mean, if you, okay, so you've started to take the steps. You had started to take the steps. If you bring Bryles back and you just say, you know what, we're just going to call it a suspension. One year suspension. That's a slap on the wrist. And then he'll, then he'll be back because we can't lose art. Art is our future. Art is Baylor football. Can't lose art. You're going to lose a lot more respect from a lot of people. I mean, maybe, maybe you gain respect back by not bringing him back. Mm-hmm. But just trying to gain respect back from from the league, you don't think other people around the league are looking at looking at that, going, "What kind of program do they run over there, at Baylor?" And then, like, almost internally, then looking at their program and saying, "What kind of program do we run here?" We don't want to be the next Baylor. We don't want to be the well, next Baylor. Baylor Baylor right now is freaking out. And there's a part of me that says I can understand the freak out part from the donors because it's your money. You just bought the stadium. Well, basically you bought the stadium because you gave all the money. And there are different teams, three that come to my mind, that you can look at. And kind of see where they've been. One of the which is I look at the Miami Hurricanes. Everything that happened with them from uh, the stuff that was in like the U part one, the U part two. Are they relevant to this day? 
No, they're nothing to like they were back in the uh, Michael Irvin days, the Ray Lewis days. Another team, USC. How have they been coping post Pete Carroll days? They're kind of getting back, but they're not. They're kind of they getting used back, but then they now they're taking another step back because of what happened last year. And the third team, Penn State. Penn State is decent, but Penn State's not a team that we're saying is going to compete for national championships anytime soon. Donors are seeing that. They're saying we could be one of those, and Miami's the worst case. Miami, it's been, what, 20 years? Yeah, like 20 years since they have been relevant in the college football world. And Baylor and those donors don't want it because then they don't get that return investment by giving money for that football stadium. It's like you said when we started talking about this. Money talks. It does. Money money does talk, and unfortunately it talks in the absolute worst way. You know what else Because if you if you have money, you really, and let's not even just look at this situation. If you have money, you can get away with just about anything possible. And let's look at an example really quickly. Okay. So I, I'm trying to remember where it was, but I know people will know what I'm talking about when I bring up the affluenza kid. He's he was like 16 years old when it happened. Drunk. Dr- oh, he didn't know what he, he was, was doing. He was he was drunk driving. He hits, didn't know. Hits, Brandon. hits people. Hits a. I, I can't remember if it was a family or what. Got into an accident. He lives. People in the car die. He goes to trial, and his defense, his defense, is that he was too wealthy. He was never taught right from wrong. And he had so his parents had so much money, so much money, the judge gets him off. And now don't tell me that that judge was not paid. Don't tell me. Well, don't tell me that because it, it, it either the judge was paid or the judge needs to find a new job. I'm gonna, and, and that's an example of if you've got money, anything can happen. I'm going to take that example. And kind of raise you one more. Baylor, if you bring back Arch, Art, oh, I keep wanting to call him Arch, Art Bryles. Who cares what the fuck his name is? If you want to bring this scumbag, I'll even say it that way. If you want to bring him back after one year, you are worse. I'm going to say worse than that judge who recently gave that Stanford swimmer only six months. For basically doing the same thing to a girl. Yeah. Yes. You are worse than that. And that's another that's another situation where it's like, you know what? Oh, he, he's such a good kid. No, he's not. And I'm going to throw it out there because I think it's a great website that all of you should look at. BrockTurnerRapist.com. Go check it out. Just There's just passing on, what's the word I'm looking for? Attention to that story. That's what that website does. So go check it out. That, but Baylor, that's what you are. This whole situation, if you bring Art Bryles back, you're basically telling all the victims, you know what? You don't matter. You never did matter. And that's the worst part. I just, I can't, I really, I, I, I can't believe some of this stuff. And it makes me... It makes me really sad, honestly, because it makes me sad that 
people do that. You know, what what makes you think that you're I, I you know, I don't know. You know, it just I don't know how to phrase it. I don't know how to phrase it because I I've never committed a sexual assault nor ever will, but it's what you you think you're you think you're so good that that mm-hmm. any any girl's going to get with you and if she doesn't she well you're going to make sure that you get yours I, I mean i'm not sure what goes through the mind of a jackass but uh oh, no i've never been one no i mean i i'm th- thanking god I, I i haven't been but it's just like what the hell what the hell and I, I don't know. It's it's disgusting. It's honestly happening more and more often. And I know I've said this before, but I, I really think, um, I I just really think that this is happening more and more. And it's it's really it's just really it's really just sad. It's really just sad. And that you talk about um, this this Brock Turner mm-hmm. um, letter to the judge from Brock Turner. The sw- quote, the swim team set no limits on partying or drinking, and I saw the guys take full advantage of these circumstances while I was shown to do the same. You are a dumbass and a sack of worthless shit. You know who's even worse than Brock Turner? Brock Turner's mom. His fucking dad. Oh. No, his dad. Did you Did you hear those comments that his dad made? No. Like his dad, Dan Turner, I'm looking and, and up folks, these really comments quickly, right We now. are moving a little bit away from the from Baylor, but to a similar situation. We are and I'm gonna I'm not gonna read the entire letter, but I'm gonna read some of it. Just just the beginning for you. Honorable Judge Aaron Persky, I am writing this letter to tell you my son Brock and the person that I know he is. First of all, let me say that Brock is absolutely devastated by the events of January 17th and 18th, 2015. He would do anything to turn back the hands of time and have that night to do over again. In many one-on-one conversations with Brock since that day, I can tell you that he is truly sorry for what occurred that night and for all the pain and suffering that it has caused for, for all those involved and impacted by that night. He has expressed true remorse for his actions on that night, living under the same roof with Brock since the incident. I can tell you firsthand the devastating impact that it has on my son. Before I elaborate more, I would like to share some memories of my son. Basically going on to say, oh, he doesn't eat the same and he doesn't act the same. He doesn't well, maybe ask, he shouldn't be a douchebag. He doesn't, he doesn't eat his, his uh, nice steak anymore. That's it. That's exactly what he said. He mentions that yeah. steak, and it's just—he's a douchebag. The F one's a teen that you brought up, douchebag. And if these fucking donors—I'm bringing it full circle now—bring back Art Bryles, they're even worse than all of them. Because you know how you know how I put it: if they bring back Art Art Bryles, if they bring him back, it's like you did it. That's the way I'm going to view it. It's like the donors did the crime. It's almost like aiding and abetting. Mm-hmm. The blood is on your hands. Because you're helping him out. It's like you drove the getaway car. Mm-hmm. It's you're bad. still involved. It's bad. And we're going to actually move on. But before we do, I want to get what you guys feel about this. Let us know down in the comment section what you feel. Or if you're like, I don't want to leave a comment. I don't even have a YouTube account. I just found your YouTube channel. 
You can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Ricky Widmer. Brandon is at Young underscore Swan 19. We want to know what you guys feel about this. Do you think Baylor's going to bring him back? God, I hope not. And what do you think about this whole Baylor situation up to this point? But we're going to move on and go into some actual football topics for the rest of the show, which is a nice change because I was I thought we were done with all of that Baylor shit, that what's going on, and, oh, they're so stupid. But one of the stories that we didn't talk about last week because we just couldn't fit it in, Gus Malzahn got an extension through 2020. And I was looking around, and I found an article on fansided.com that was basically five reasons Gus Malzahn doesn't make it past the 2016 season, which I was kind of confused because he just got a scholarship. Brandon, I'm going to give you the five, and then I'm going to let you kind of take it off first, whether you think this is going to be a good or bad year for Malzahn. What John Bueller says, number one, they've got Clemson at home to start the season. They have ongoing quarterback controversy. They've had the, this is the third defensive coordinator in as many seasons. They have a brutal SEC road schedule in the second half of the year. And Gus Melzahn's hurry up and run, run has run its course. Well, you know, I think it's gonna. I think it is gonna be an interesting season for Gus Malzahn because do, I mean, do you remember just a couple of years ago where Malzahn people were like, "Man, this is the team." Well, Auburn. It was, it was one play. How one about play that? got them to the national championship to play another rapist in Jameis Winston? But I'm just saying, you know, he had a good season, and people mm-hmm. are looking praising Gus Malzahn as coach of the year. What was that? Twenty. 20- 14, 2013? I think it was 2013. Not too, I mean, it was not too long not ago. Not too long ago, but how much of a difference three years year can make. to year to year to year mm-hmm. can make. And now all of a sudden, Malzahn finds himself in kind of an interesting territory. You're kind of right in the middle. You're not horrible. You're not great. You'll be okay. But he has an opportunity to take them from okay to. Decent, you know, to decent and, mm-hmm. and to competitive. And I think as long as Auburn is competitive this, excuse me, as long as Auburn is c- competitive this year, Gus Malzahn will continue to stay around. But they have to win some of the big games. Y- y- you know what? You better beat Alabama. That's, it's tough. You better beat Alabama. I think that's the game. Like, is it the way I feel like is if, Auburn only won one game, but it was against Alabama. Tiger fans would be happy. That's the way I feel. That's how much they hate Alabama. If they only won one game, did we beat Alabama? Cool. Okay, we're fine. We're fine. Keep the head coach. He did his job. He beat Alabama. Exactly. And you know what? Sometimes for some people, for some athletic directors, Mm -hmm. all they need to do is take a look and go, did you win the big game? Yeah. We'll keep you. Did you did you did you lose the big game and go nine and four? Eh, not good enough. Gotta go. Um, I mean, we we saw that in uh who'd we see that in this past year? Georgia. Mm-hmm. They go nine and four. And coach gets fired. Out. Out. We not need to change. Enough. We not need to change. Enough. You're not doing enough. And unfortunately, that's how things go a lot of the time. Didn't do enough. 
And I mean, I'm looking at their schedule from last year, and like LSU, like the only games that I'm giving them a pass for, maybe like you could, I guess you could say that because they were tough teams. Is LSU? I'm like 45-21 is a big, maybe make that closer. But I mean, LSU was pretty good, and Leonard Fournette was pretty dominant. Old Miss, that's another one where I'll say, okay, that was a good ranked team. And then Alabama won the whole thing. So I'm like, those three losses you I could live with last season if I was a Tiger fan. Really the ones that are kicking me are 17-9 to against the Mississippi State team that was not what they were the year before that when they were the number one team for most of the year in 2014. Then you lose a four-overtime game against Coach Bielema's Arkansas Razorbacks. And then you lose against Georgia. It's those three games that make me think, like, those don't sit well with me as an Auburn Tiger fan. I know you go to the Birmingham Bowl and you win it and you finish 7-6, and six, but it's kind of like when my Illini went to a bowl game with a 6-6 six and six record. Yeah, I felt good because it was the first bowl game we went to under the Tim Beckman era. It still didn't feel good. We went to the heart of Dallas Bowl. Basically, it's a who gives a fuck bowl, as Brandon likes to say when we get to the bowl season. My favorite bowl. Is the just who gives a fuck. But, I mean, we look back at 2014. They had, what, five losses? But I'm going to say most of them were, like, number three Mississippi State. They were a good team that year. Alabama was the number one team in the nation, and you only lost to them by 11, and you scored 44 against them. Yeah, Georgia blew you out, but they were good that season. And then you lost to Wisconsin. So 2014, they had good losses, I would say. Well, as good as a loss can be. And then in 2013, the only loss was against LSU. And then they go to the national championship and obviously lose to rapist Jameis Winston. And to me, this year has to be, you have to win double-digit games, I would say, to keep your job if you're Gus Malzahn. And that's going to be pretty tough. You start off with a really tough game against Clemson. You start off with a really tough game against Clemson on ESPN Saturday, September 3rd. Two weeks later, you are playing Texas A&M on ESPN Saturday, September 17th. A&M, that's an interesting team. Kevin Sumlin, what's he going to be able to do this year? Another guy whose job is, we've talked about it, it's in flux. Mm-hmm. How's it going to work? Then LSU. And then October 22nd, October 29th, at home versus Arkansas, a team I really think people need to watch out for. And then on the road at Ole Miss, back-to-back tough games. Mm-hmm. And then November 12th, you're on the road at Georgia. You end on the road at Alabama. It's a really tough schedule. The The schedulers, were not they were not nice to Auburn. I'll tell you, they were not nice to Auburn. Here's the way I see it. There's three tiers to this schedule for Auburn. The first tier is the lowest level tier. I'm going to do it. Actually, we'll call it tier three. This is the Arkansas State, Texas A&M, Louisiana Monroe, Vanderbilt, and Alabama A&M. You're going to put Texas yes, A&M in there? Yes, I am. These oh, are the five, wow. These are the five games <laughs> that I look at this season and go, those should be five wins. Then Tier 2. This is the middle tier where it's like, okay, you 
have to win all of these games, but I'm kind of iffy about it. This is the Mississippi State, the Arkansas, the Old Miss, and the Georgia. Four key games that if you could win those and the Tier 3, you're at nine wins, you're cool. And then there's the Tier 1s, which is Alabama, LSU, Clemson. Probably going to be losses. Just throw them away because they don't fucking matter because you're going to lose those games. Tier, If you can win the Tier 1 and the Tier 2s, that's only nine wins. So you have to win maybe, you have to win all of those nine, then win one of the Tier 1s. They're not going to get to 10 wins. They're not going to do it. Yeah, Gus Malzahn may be on the outside looking in and at the end so of the season. it's so weird because they gave him an extension until 2020. Why would, like, and that's the thing where, because I see some of these articles where it's like, oh, he's not going to make it past 2016. That's another part of this. Why would you give a guy a contract, but then fire him, or an extension, but then fire him the season after you gave him the extension? But, see, I'm not saying necessarily that they're going to fire him. I'm just saying that Auburn's in for an interesting season. I mean, if they are able to really put it together. Is it going to be where it's like, oh, the season's not good. He's definitely on the hot seat next season. Maybe. Maybe. But I just don't know why you give him a contract. But but here's the thing, though, is that teams, for the most part, I don't think they go in giving someone a contract extension, thinking, eh, we may put him on the hot seat soon. They go in giving him a contract extension because they know he's their guy. Mm-hmm. That's why you give someone a contract extension, right? Especially till 2020. We are in 2016. And from the SI article, this is a quote from um, Auburn AD Jay Jacobs. He said, he's a brilliant offensive mind, took us to two national championships, one as a coordinator, one as a head coach. There's a bunch of schools in this league that would love to be in our position with a guy like him. So now that I see that quote and I actually read it, oh, you're giving him this extension based off of past experiences. But I do like Gus Malzahn. I do like him. I think a lot of other people I think a lot of other people would like him as well. I think a lot of other people would like to be lucky enough to have, to him. have him somewhere on the coaching staff. Not every team does. You know what I would say? If Gus Malzahn gets fired after this season, if Lovey Smith is not on the phone with him to bring him in to Illinois as an offensive coordinator, I don't know what our team is doing. Because that's what I would think. Like, if he gets fired after this season, teams like Illinois, teams that are like not, well, Illinois is at the bottom of the Big Ten. Who am I kidding? I, I was trying to make a case where, oh, they're not good, but they're in the mid. No, we're at the bottom. The teams that were like, oh, we could use him as an offensive coordinator, kind of like Lane Kiffin. Lane Lane Kiffin Kiffin has found a home. Couldn't work out as a head coach. He has found a home, man. Failed in Tennessee, failed in Southern Cal, found a home in Tuscaloosa. Oh, failed in Oakland, too. Oh, forgot about that. Forgot about the NFL. But hey, you know what? Nick Saban failed in Miami, so I guess Alabama is where you make it work when you fail in the NFL. Sometimes there's just guys who... Their their niche is college. So Chip Kelly. There's, there's just some guys who never want to leave college. I would say Chip Kelly then is going to fail at San Fran and then come to Alabama, but he's not a defensive guy, so that wouldn't work. That'll be interesting to see what Chip Unless Kelly he's gonna does. He's going to come come back as a quarterback coach for Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chip Kelly will be interesting. It's the Chip Kelly project out there in San Fran, but you know, I think at the end, 
Gus Malzahn, he's he's definitely got room. I mean, he's not on any hot seat right now, but I, I do think that Auburn needs to be Auburn needs to be better this year. Auburn many, was not good last year. How many wins? I put it at double digits, so at least ten wins. How many wins does old Gussie need to be like, okay, whew, I have kept my job securely for the year? Nine. Okay. He needs nine. So basically, he's got to win the tier three and the tier twos yeah. that I listed. He needs nine. So if you lose Clemson, LSU, Alabama, you got to win everything else. Yeah. And then go to a quality bowl game at nine wins. But yeah, their big thing is going to be the schedule. And then who the hell's going to play quarterback for him? That's going to be a big one. But we're going to move on to our last topic. And this is going to be a fun one. I saw this and I went, hell, man, I am. I hate Notre Dame. And I'm a Jim Harbaugh fan, love what he's doing at Michigan. But I will tell you what, there is nothing I'd want to see more than a Michigan-Notre Dame rivalry re-sparking in college football. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And guess what? I think so would Harbaugh oh, I and so, so would badly. Uh, Brian Kelly. Those absolutely. Were the like, those were the games. Like, even though, like I said— I hate like I wasn't a huge Michigan fan because I cheer for Illinois, and plus my cousins and my aunt would basically kill me because they side with the Spartans. But yeah, I there is some of the biggest moments have been either for me it's either been Michigan Notre Dame, Michigan Ohio State, even USC Notre Dame. I mean Notre Dame. This is like one of those rivalries where it's like. Give me more of it. Give me more. And when when the news broke the few years ago when they took it away, I went, no, don't do this to me. I hope I hope they can get it done. I hope Jim Harbaugh can do what needs to do. Because let's be honest, he's going to be the big cog in this, getting the wheels turning to bring Notre Dame and Michigan back on the field together. Oh, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. But I think that if they renew this rivalry, what that's what that will do for college football will be very good. And maybe then that starts to move Notre Dame towards okay, we gotta we gotta get into a uh we gotta get into a conference. Well they're kind of in the ACC. They're kind of. Well, they yeah, like, kind of. What? We talked about that they're for like, how long. They're like now? they've got like one foot in, one foot out. They wanna be an independent, but they're playing ACC opponents. I think the Big Ten makes the most sense for them. They can get stuck in a division right with Michigan. They can also play Ohio State. That may not what the school wants and why it may not happen, but, man, could you imagine Michigan-Notre Dame each and every year, and it's a fucking conference? Not just a conference game, but a divisional game. I know. Michigan, and the way they can schedule it is Michigan's got to play Either Notre Dame, like they can either alternate. Okay, this year you play Notre Dame first, then Ohio State to end the year, then you flip Ohio State and then Notre Dame. Michigan fans wouldn't know what to do. They'd either be really stressed for two weeks or they would be super excited for two weeks because they'd have a chance to beat their two most hated rivals to end the season. Oh, I think it'd be fun. I, I think that if you bring back that rivalry, which it does sound like they're leaning towards doing that, I, I absolutely think that it's it, it's just it's perfect. It's perfect. It's something absolutely fans would want to be watching. It's good for TV ratings. It's good for college football. And the last time they did play was the 2014 season, so it hasn't been that long ago. 
But it was a it was a big loss for Michigan. They lost thirty one to nothing. So Notre Dame kind of Everett Golson kind of they skunked them. slapped them down. But I mean, I'm looking here. 2012, it was a 13 to six game, which was close. You had 35 31 in 2011. I'm trying to think who was even on that Notre Dame team. Was it the Brady Quinn years? No, he was before that. 28 24 in 2000. And ten. Oh, that was the Denard Robinson year when uh, Michigan beat Notre Dame thirty-five to thirty-one. That was when they had Thomas Reese, the Fighting Irish, did. That was that Thomas Reese-led Notre Dame team. The year before was the twenty-eight twenty-four with um, oh, what's his first name? I'm thinking last name is Chris. But yeah, there have just been some great moments between Michigan and Notre Dame. Why wouldn't you want to bring this back? And is there anything in your mind to where either of these two teams would be like, okay, I got a little bit of doubt. Are there any doubts with this series about bringing it back? No, I don't think so. I I mean, I don't think so at all. I I don't see how you really see. For the most part, though, I think you're going to get good games now Mm -hmm. because you've got a good Michigan team. You've got a... Pretty good Notre Dame team. It kind of forces Notre Dame to pick up their recruiting a little bit because of what Michigan's been able to do. And Jim Harbaugh, he's a beast. Well, exactly. But I think that this really gives – you can definitely say, oh, Jim Harbaugh certainly didn't schedule a cupcake game outside of the conference. And that's what's good for him. Because if you go, you schedule this game against Notre Dame outside the mm-hmm. conference, and you win that game for as tough as it is, people are going, Jim Harbaugh, you got balls, man. You got balls. Well, and not just that. I mean, if you're on Notre Dame's side, think of it this way. You go ahead, you play Michigan, you beat them. You're in the ranks of the one of the top 25 teams where it's like, oh, shit, you beat Michigan? You beat the team that some people are saying – most of the people are not like myself. I honestly think that Michigan could make a national championship run this year. I believe I kind of predicted it last week. I'm kind of unsure about that. But if you go ahead and beat that team, most people think that Michigan's like, okay, they're going to do well this year. Next year's the national championship year. You go ahead and beat them their first year of national championship hopefuls. It kind of goes, whoa. Whoa. This team is good. Exactly. And I think that that's what people will continue to think as we go along because right now Michigan isn't giving you any sign of giving up or letting up. I mean, Jim Harbaugh is just full steam ahead. And for Michigan fans, you've got to be very, very happy. And you've got to have a lot of hope. I'm going to ask you this before we... uh... Wrap up shop. Give me a percentage of what you think right now. What's the percentage that we see a Michigan Notre Dame rivalry return to college football? I'm saying 75. That's a good percentage. That's yeah. a hefty percentage. Yeah, I think it, it does. And it took you no time at all. It wasn't like, a, oh, let me think. You had that number like ready to go. Well, I was thinking about it, <laughs> thinking about it earlier today. And the, that's what I think. You know, I, I think it's it's very, very doable I think it happens well you guys let us know down below what you guys think are we going to see a Michigan Notre Dame rivalry 
back in college football. Also, let us know what you think about the Gus Malzahn and the Baylor topics that we talked about today. That's going to do it for us here for the Primetime Podcast. Make sure to go ahead and hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Ricky Widmer. Brandon is at Young underscore Swan 19. You can go ahead and check out our Patreon page. I mean, hitting that like and subscribe button and that heart and that repost button is great. We love you guys for it. But for those of you who want to give a little bit extra support, check out the Patreon page for the low price of a dollar. You can go and get yourself our exclusive Patreon podcast. Brandon just recorded July's Patreon podcast with Mike Rankin and Sean Anderson. I almost called him Steve. Sean Anderson earlier today. And you guys were telling me it was a doozy today. It was great. It was really a lot of fun. I'm not going to tell you a damn thing about it. Oh, no. Because Tease them. Tease them. You got to just keep you, it a secret. You know, be, be, be part of our, of our Patreon page. You know, as, as we said in the video, we absolutely appreciate the support of being a subscriber uh, to our channel. Um, but if you want to show just a little bit more support, we appreciate it. Mm-hmm. You know, we absolutely appreciate we, we we appreciate everything you guys do. You know, watch, watching our videos, taking time to listen to our podcast weekly, daily. And, you know, if you want to show us just a little bit more support, you know, go ahead and check out that Patreon page. And in advance, thank you very much. And that's patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. I want to thank you guys all for listening. Me and Brandon will be back next Monday for some more college football talks thank you guys for listening yet again and as always have a good day everybody thank you for listening to this mvp podcast follow us on twitter at most valuable pod for more great podcasts